want to do more than follow orders, think outside of the box, and manifest your dreams, then you've come to the right show. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a gold star daughter, veteran spouse, and entrepreneur. For season seven, I am ecstatic to be in partnership with the Rosie Network to highlight motivational stories of personal growth, financial awareness, and autonomy in our military community. Now, let's get started. All right. Hello, hello, everyone. Got a question for you. Have you ever encountered a situation where turning adversity into opportunity led to the creation of something innovative and impactful? Well, chief headache reducer and founder of Suiting Green Consulting, Matt Wood, certainly has. Really excited to be featuring another Rosie Network member here, Matt Wood shares his experiences as a former military professional. Keep tabs on that phrase, by the way, former military professional. He will talk about why he chooses to say that instead of veteran. Also a military spouse and a 2023 service to CEO graduate of the Rosie Network. Matt shares fond memories of how a casual conversation with his wife inspired him to work at Disney. However, after being laid off from his job at Disney, he identified a knowledge gap between corporate America and the military community. This led him to establish Suiting Green Consulting, a firm dedicated to bridging the gap and helping companies hire better for the military community. Matt's passion lies in transforming companies from being military-friendly to military-ready. He also explains the importance of using the term former military professionals, as I mentioned a little earlier. Two and a half years later, he's been able to build partnerships with nonprofits to help companies find top talent for the military community. I think Matt's story is a story of resilience and the power of turning adversity into opportunity. So Matt, thanks again so much for being on our show. Thank you again. Uh, thank you to or thank you to the Rosie Network for this incredible partnership we've been having this entire season to be featuring your service to CEO cohort members. I have been absolutely inspired by everyone's stories. And last but not least, I want to thank my company, US Vet Wealth. This will be an ad-free conversation. Thanks to US Vet Wealth, which is all about offering financial services for military retirees. If you are a career military family and you're planning on transitioning and you have been doing a deep dive into your government benefits and you're also interested in just exploring what's out there in the private market, that's what our company is here for. We give free financial education just so that you can make confident and informed decisions about your financial future. And so we actually offer that all for free in our podcast portal here. Again, thanks to US Vet Wealth. You can check out our website, holdingonthefortspodcast.com forward slash portal. And from there, you'll get access to bonus content for this show, and you'll get a ton of financial education, free resources from my company, US Vet Wealth. So much to say about that. With that said, I hope you enjoy this ad-free conversation with Matt Wood from Suiting Green Consulting. 
And I also, also, if this is your first time listening to the show, if this is the first episode you've ever listened to, I want to give you the heads up that my audio quality is different than, or might, it may or may not be different from uh, the past seasons. I talk about this quite frequently in the past episodes and I get in depth about it in our free podcast portal. So I just want to ask for your grace and say thank you in advance for understanding And I like to, you know, confidently move forward in my life with the phrase done is better than perfect. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy this ad free conversation with Matt Green. And I will connect with you all again in the outro. All right. Enjoy. All right. And with that said, I'm really excited to invite Matt Wood to the show today here at Holding on the Fort by US Bet Wealth. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jack. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, happy to have you. So I was normally going to pull from a deck of cards and ask you an icebreaker question. But because I know that you used to work for Disney World, I have to ask a Disney World question. So my icebreaker question for you today to kick us off is what was your favorite? I'm probably going to get this wrong because I'm from the West Coast and I only know Disneyland. So forgive me. What was your favorite park? <laughs> I think it's what that, that, that's how you're supposed to say it. What was your favorite park and why? <laughs> Woo. Uh, well, considering we have four of them here, <laughs> I think probably Epcot. Epcot's my favorite. Okay, It's going through a lot of reimagining right now, as they call <laughs> it, but it's always a lot of fun to go there because it's they do all the festivals there. They do food and wine every <laughs> fall. They do the flower and garden in the spring. They have the Festival of the Arts. So there's a ton of stuff that's always going on. And it's always uh, it was always a lot of fun to kind of go there. My wife and I would uh, when we had conjoining days off, we would, and the kids were in school, we'd take the day, go over to Epcot, and wander around food and wine, and, you know, hit all the, hit all the little booths and everything there and just make a day out. And it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. That sounds like more of a, an adult park. What would, what would you say? <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely more, more of the adult park. And that's why people, you tend to see a lot of people wandering around with, hey, I've got a shirt that says drinking around the world. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're always trying to do stuff like that. But it's probably of the four, it's more of the adult themed stuff than than anything else. And I think that's that kind of goes back to the way um, Walt Disney imagined it mm-hmm. when he was trying to draw out the plans for all the, the stuff here in Florida. So yeah, yeah, amazing. I'm more of a, I mean, I wouldn't identify as a West Coaster, but I did spend a lot of time in the West Coast. And I just remember that Disneyland was like, from what I was told, it was the first park that opened up and then all the other parks opened up. And, you know, I used to, I think I was like low key jealous that Disney World was a thing in the East Coast. And I remember going for my 18th birthday. It was like a present my mom gave to me. And I was all like, no, but I still like Disneyland. And I think at this point, it's kind of apples and oranges because it's it's completely, I mean, you have so much more options at Disney World, but Disneyland is special in a sense where it is like the first theme park. So I guess I, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the way I've always looked at it too. Disneyland is the, that's the original. That's mm-hmm. the one that started it all as far as the theme parks go. And then Disney World came later. And now, I mean, they did it right when they started building here in Florida. They had tons of land that they bought. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they, the entire resort itself is the size of the city of San Francisco. So it's huge. Yeah. And they're still adding on and, and doing all kinds of stuff to it. Whereas Disneyland is really confined yeah, and they have to like shuffle things around to figure out how they're going to get things to fit in there. 
So Yeah. Yeah, I do know that with Disney World, even if you don't get tickets to a park, you can still have a ton of fun just taking the, what do you call that sky thing? <laughs> yeah, the, the Skyliner. Yeah. I mean, we've got the monorail. We've got our own monorail here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, in fact, my brother and his family were down here at the beginning of the month, and that was what we did one of the days. We just said, hey, we're going to ride the monorail, cruise around, get a couple Dole Whips, <laughs> ride the Skyliner. Love it. Ride boats between parks. I mean, we just, we made a day of that and, and had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's just, it sounds amazing. I feel like if my husband and I were to retire anywhere, you know, Florida seems to be the place that everyone likes to go to. And I know that for you and your family, when you transitioned out of the military, Matt, you and your family decided to move to Central Florida. And part of why I'm bringing up the story is because I wouldn't necessarily say it was like your desire to work at Disney World. It kind of was by proving your wife that you could do it. Did, did, did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was one of those things I looked at probably five or six years before I left the military and said, hey, you know, I, I wonder what it would be like to work at Walt Disney World yeah. or work for Disney mm-hmm. and, and kind of looked around at, at different jobs. But it, the, the way I looked at it at the time was like, well, it, the only thing I'm qualified to do would be security. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I kind of turned it down and kept focused on my, my military career. And finally, when it came down to it, I knew I was going to retire and have to go do something else and potentially grow up. <laughs> I said, you know, all right, well, where am I going to go? And, and we looked at a couple different places. And then, uh, yeah, as you, as you mentioned, we were here on vacation and in the middle of the vacation, we're talking to different cast members, and just, you know, seeing how they felt about working for the company. And mm-hmm. that's when my wife said, you know, it'd be, it'd be kind of cool if you had a job at Disney. <laughs> I said, Okay. Well, I guess that's what that's what I'm going to focus on doing. And then that was when I realized it was after that that I realized she wasn't really serious about it. But <laughs> at that point, I'd already started networking and making connections and applying to different jobs. So uh, I, I ended up saying, "Oh, I've, I've got an opportunity to go work for him. Yeah, might as well take it." Yeah, I'm sure she wasn't upset about it either. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. I mean the the. the Free admission benefits were were really nice. Yeah. So that's probably the, the biggest thing that I miss about working for, for Disney. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny how you said like, oh, it's time to grow up and then you work at Disney World, you know. But then again, we just talked about yeah. Epcot. <laughs> we just talked about Epcot and how that, that's like an adult park. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and it really, when it comes down to it, I don't think I've still grown up yet. So I'm, <laughs> I'm at least figured out a problem that I wanted to solve. There you go. And so... Yeah, maybe that's a sign of growing up is like <laughs> not thinking of yourself, but thinking about how you can help others. Uh, but you can still be a kid and everything else. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My wife says uh, her favorite kid is her in-laws. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so, yeah, I happen to be the favorite kid. There you go. I love it. Well, I, I think that's so awesome how you found your way into the Walt Disney Company. And uh, it's an interesting journey how you made it there out of the military to what you're doing today as a consultant. And let's talk about that journey, you know, going back to working at Walt Disney. I know you worked a couple of different roles there and I'm sure you were having a ton of fun. I'm curious, what was your, of all the roles that you did, what would you say was your favorite role? I started with Disney Vacation Club <laughs> and I was doing outside sales for them, which quickly realized I'm not a fan of timeshare sales, which is what it is. <laughs> but it was fun because I would spend three to four days out of the week in a park and I get to talk with guests all the time and I would trade pins. I, you know, ask them Disney trivia questions and stuff. So I had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. And then from there it was moving over to 
a business analytics role with Disney Institute, which mm. opened my eyes to another aspect of the company, the fact that this was their external facing training. I mean, they had their own internal Disney University, which they mm. would train people, you know, hey, here's how you go do this job or you do this job. But Disney Institute was out there working with companies like the NFL, General Motors, Air Canada. So like big companies, and they were really going out there showing them how Disney did Disney, <laughs> which I thought was really cool. And they would have professional development seminars. And so I got to participate in a couple of those. And then I went over to their workforce management side. Mm -hmm. And I got to see another aspect behind the scenes, backstage role where, you know, getting to see how how we supported all these cast members, you know, 77,000 cast members spread across Florida mm -hmm. and South Carolina, and how we supported all of them as far as making sure they were paid correctly. All their benefits were in the system accurately. Their, their uh, record cards were straight. So it was a combination of HR and finance. And so it was really... When it was fun, I had a good time with it because, it, like I said, it opened my eyes to different aspects. And I, I really got to learn a lot more about the company yeah. from that role, how they dealt with those aspects, dealing with unions and the various unions that are part of just Walt Disney World itself. Yeah. So there was a lot of fun to all of it, especially I think the biggest part was just being able to see all the different stuff backstage. Yeah. I mean, getting out there, interacting with guests was really cool. But getting to see the backstage stuff that most people don't get to see, like you know, hey, I'm going to go into the tunnels under the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, see what that's. Like. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm kind of curious about. Uh, I imagine that part of uh, Disney culture is to have a very vibrant, uh, not bubbly, but very vibrant, bright, happy personality. You know, because I, I feel like every time I, I went to any Disney anything. The, the personality, like everyone's personalities was always on. And I, I do recall my former co-host here, shout out to Jenny Lynn, like she interned at Disney World and when she was in college and one of her greatest takeaways was all about the value of customer service and being okay with not knowing things and saying, I, let me get someone to help you with that because I don't know it. But really like putting customer service and the front and center of, of what you do at Disney World. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's the one thing that they, from day one, when you go through what they call traditions, mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing they talk about is, hey, this is, you are a customer service centric company. And that's, that's what they're focused mm -hmm. on. Whether you're on stage in front of guests or backstage doing whatever, like I was doing with workforce management, it was, you know, hey, you're all about customer service, mm. whether it's, again, like it's a guest or it's a cast member. Mm. How can you support them and make them feel listened to and appreciated and that you're there to help them? So that was, that's the biggest thing that I took away from it is yeah. how to be focused on customer service and that customer experience so that everybody that I work with, I feel like I, I try to treat them the way they feel they should be treated. Yeah. Yeah, and what a bummer because uh, things turn around for you in 2020, right? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. yeah. It's this weird thing happened around the country. Mm -hmm. And yeah, in March of 2020, the entire company said, hey, we're we're closing everything down. Yeah. We're shutting everything off. We're furloughing wow. that just, just I, about just, everything. That just seems so wild to think that Disney World has to shut down. Like that just, I mean, nothing is bigger than that, you know, Disney World or Disney overall. So anyway, continue. Yeah. Oh, I'm telling you. So the role I was in, I worked backstage at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And I mean, if I walked out of the building, I could hear Tower of Terror. I could hear the 
the atmosphere music. I could hear the crowd. Yeah. The day after everything closed, I went walking out to go to the cafeteria and it was dead silent. Oh my God. I felt like I was in The Walking Dead or something. I kept waiting <laughs> I for zombies say. to come walking up. This is not <laughs> That right. seems like a it's Walking Dead scene for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then they, they did the furlough and they furloughed yeah. almost everybody on the team I was working with. Yeah. There were five of us that they kept. They said, hey, you, you five are going to continue to work. Yeah. We're going to send you home. You're going to work remotely. And we did that. We we were working that way and trying to figure out how to do everything that we'd done from property, <laughs> do it from home. And then they started bringing people back in June of 2020. <laughs> Slowly but surely, they were bringing back resorts. They were bringing back bus drivers and, you know, and all that stuff that goes along with it. So we helped reintegrate all these people and make sure that they were getting paid, their benefits were kicked back on and all that stuff. <laughs> and then the company said, hey, you know, here it is September of 2020. We still haven't opened Disneyland. Yeah. California was super locked oh, down. Yeah. They weren't opening anything. And they said, oh, well, because we haven't opened Disneyland, we're losing all this money. Yeah. Right. And, you know, hard to believe when you've got CEOs that are, you know, making seven-figure salary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. We're, we're losing monies. But, and that's when they said, hey, we're going to start laying off people. And they put out a number. Hey, we got 28,000 people we're going to lay off. Wow. And a friend of mine, we were talking about it on a Thursday. He said, hey, if they haven't called you by nine o'clock at night, you're safe. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Great. From nine o'clock came when I hadn't gotten a call. Uh-huh. Next morning, I'm at the VA. I'm going to a, a doctor's appointment. I get a call from somebody I don't recognize. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm not answering this. And then I get a text message saying, hey, this is so-and-so. I need you to, I, I need to talk to you. Well, I'm, I'm in an appointment right now. I call, I'll let you know when I'm done and we can talk. So I get done with everything. I get out of my car and I'm, I'm headed to Dunkin' Donuts to go get a, a, a cup of coffee. <laughs> and up to this point, my team was getting ready to do this massive system upgrade that was going to require 16-hour days. And we knew we were going to be working like six days a week. I was going to be working on Halloween and wouldn't be able to go trick-or-treating with my kids. <laughs> so I, I sent a message back and said, hey, I'm, I'm available. Feel free to give me a call. I get the call and it's, I don't remember what her name was. She said, hey, this is so-and-so and I've got our HR business partner on the line with me. And I realized that, okay, this is that call. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when they said, hey, your, your role has been eliminated. We're going to keep you on active status until December 4th, but don't do any work. You can still, you know, go to the parks or whatever, still use your employee benefits, but you can't go to work. You no longer have a job. Wow. Okay, cool. Came home, walked in the door. <laughs> my wife was working remotely for her job at the time and said, hey, you know how I said I, we weren't gonna, I wasn't going to be able to go trick-or-treating with the kids? Well, I'm going to be able to do that now. She's like, what do you mean? You, you're working. I said, no, I just got laid off. Said, what? Yeah. So, the good yeah, news so is I got to go trick-or-treating. Bad news is I got to let go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, But I took it in stride. I was like, okay. Yeah. You know, I, because at that point, I didn't have any growth potential with with the team yeah. that I was on or the organization and because you know, they were still bringing people back. There was no room for growth anywhere in the company. I said, okay, I've got to find something. I'm, I'm stagnant right now. Yeah. And I'd already started looking for, for something else. Um, and that's, so when they, they called and told me, I was like, hmm, eh, whatever. Yeah. Cool. I let the people on the team know, Hey, I got, I got laid off. Yeah. And then I started trying to find a job. And I, as I was going through that, I realized, okay, there's this knowledge gap out there. <laughs> And that's what started leading me towards, I'm going to start my own company and I'm going to be the bridge to help 
solve that knowledge gap and, and be that Rosetta Stone that's out there. Mm-hmm. And that's what led me to Suiting Green. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's very interesting to know of your story, like having served the military for two decades to working at Disney World to, you know, getting let go. But this leading you to, I mean, fortunately, like you said, you kind of saw the writing on the wall already and you felt like you, you hit your own ceiling at the company. It just didn't seem like you were going to progress or climb up any corporate ladder. So, so it, it is nice to hear that even though you got let go, it was kind of like, okay, all right, well, good to know, you know, and you started looking, started applying for jobs and you started to realize as the former military professional, I know that phrase is very important to you, that there was a knowledge gap, you know, between corporate America and, you know, helping our former military professionals uh, find employment and, you know, hence why you're here today with a suiting at Green Consulting. And I know that this, like your consulting business is it's given you a sense of purpose. And, and I'm curious if, if this sense of purpose you're feeling now is, is maybe the first time you felt really purposeful or does it remind you of a time when you felt as purposeful, like let's say in the military or what have you? I'm very curious to hear that. It, it is. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that I struggled with when I first left. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I spent 21 years pretty much as an infantryman. And it was like, go, 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 go. I have this sense of purpose. Yeah. I'm out here as a friend of mine at had joked, I'm out here enforcing American foreign policy abroad, maybe sometimes nicer than others, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I had that sense of purpose in uniform. Yeah. Like, I, I know what I'm supposed to do, uh, you know, and, and I had, like many service members, I had that sense of, okay, I have rank on my chest. People <laughs> know what that means, <laughs> that, that carries some weight to it, even if they don't know who I am. <laughs> but I also knew when I left the military, that aspect of it was going away. Yeah. It was, you know, I wasn't going to be Sergeant Wood anymore. It was going to be, hey, I'm Matt from wherever I happen to be living or, you know, or originally from New Hampshire, whatever. Yeah. And so I, I, I didn't delude myself into thinking that I could walk into something like, oh, I was a, you know, senior non-commissioned officer in the army and I was da da blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Nobody cared. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, what now? <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I, the first job I had with Disney in that sales role, I didn't have a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. And I, I had somebody that was supposed to be a mentor there who tried to give me to compromise or, or what I felt was compromising my ethics and my values. Mm-hmm. So I was like, no, I'm not doing that mm-hmm. to be successful at a job. There's no way. And I, as I continue progressing within the company through those various positions and different lines of business, I still didn't really feel like I had that sense of purpose. It's like, okay, I have a job. Yeah. I mean, it, it's something I have to do. It's not something I get to do. Yeah. And so starting this company and doing what I've been doing now for almost two years, it really did give me that sense of purpose back. I was like, okay, I get to do this every day. I get to wake up and yeah, there are days where I'm like, eh, I don't really feel like doing a whole lot. So I'm not going to do a whole lot. Yeah. And, and I understand the consequences of it, but I right. also realized that I did and this was the other benefit to being laid off was I had that safety net to say, okay, yes, I'm a military retiree. I have that yeah. cushion that a lot of the other people didn't have. Yeah. Uh, so, but I get to do this and I get to really go out and talk about this and, and you know, work with people and help people. And it does. It gives me that sense of purpose back that I felt like I, I hadn't had for the, you know, 
previous years after leaving the military. That's amazing to hear. And I often hear people who are in post-military life and how sometimes their best memories or best experiences or the best relationships they have maintained were from that military life. And so it gets me to reflect on why I have this podcast show holding down the forts. You know, my family was in the military. My dad served for 18 and a half years. And I just remember being a military kid and just how secure it felt to be, you know, to just kind of know like where you're headed, where you're going to live at, you know, you you were always kind of taken care of. And even to this day as an adult military kid, when I run into other people like me, it's like, oh, we get each other. Like we understood that life. And there's just that familiarity that uh, I would say the average civilian just doesn't understand. And and that's okay. There's not, It's not right or wrong in any way. It's just kind of that sense of familiarity. And, and more importantly, like that, that sense of purpose, like knowing that you're serving your country above all else, I think is what I appreciate about the most about the military and why I feel, you know, grateful that even my husband and I today continue to serve the military in, you know, the way that we do. So it's great to hear that you have taken your military experience into your company. And uh, and so now that makes me beg the question, because very often when we think about military retirees or anyone who has transitioned out, we say veterans. And I know for you, it's incredibly important to use former military professionals. So tell us about that. So... I saw it somewhere on social media a few years ago, and I was like, that, it just makes sense to use that terminology. Because when you hear veteran, it gets tossed around so much. Companies can be like, oh, you worked here for three years. You're a veteran with this company. Mm. Sports players, they've been with a team for a few years. They're a veteran with that team. And Got so it. It kind of gets a little bit diluted. And then when people use it, and, they, and companies use it in terms of military community, they look at, you know, hey, you wore a uniform. You're a veteran. And especially now in light of the fact that we've come out of 20 years with the global war on terror, mm. it's like, oh, you were a veteran. Mm. So you've probably seen some things. You probably got some PTSD. You probably got some medical issues. You're broken in some way. We're not entirely sure. I mean, we want to hire veterans because it sounds really cool, yeah. but we're not entirely sure we want to take that off that chance because we don't know whether or not you're going to bring skill sets that we need or- mm or you're going to have these issues that we, we're not really sure we want to deal with. And so that's why part of what I tell them is, okay, well, you know, if I gave you a box of 64 crayons, half of them were broken, you could still use them, right? Because broken crayons can still color. Right. With the, the former military professional piece, it's they're individuals that learn their business skills and experience. They may not know that that's what it is, <laughs> but that's, they learn that in the military sector. Yeah. It's just like somebody that goes to work for, say, Jack Daniels yeah. and spends 20 years at Jack Daniels, but then decides, hey, I'm going to go work for Walt Disney. Yeah. They've got all this experience in different lines of business, but they're not going to be discounted because, oh, you don't have any theme park experience or you don't have any entertainment experience. You have a lot of stuff that we want. Yeah. And so it's that professional level of looking at it. And that's that's why I try to encourage organizations to use that terminology. I mean, I'll- I'll go back and forth on it, yeah. but I try to make a point of saying, hey, they're former military professionals. Yeah. And, and I think it makes more sense. And companies start realizing then that clicks the light bulb on for them. Like, oh, yeah. There, there's, there's something a little bit different about these folks, and there's something that sets them apart because of that. Yeah. You know, my initial thought is they're, it, to me, there's like a, a, a level of respect when you say, former military professional where, yes, we respect our veterans. Also, like you mentioned, there's sort of this 
negative association to it. Like, oh, you've been through stuff, you've seen things, you know, and and we don't want to just hire you because we're trying to fulfill some. I don't know, DI fulfillment to cover or like have veterans in our company kind of thing. And so so I know for you, it's, it's important to help companies go from being military friendly to military ready. So what does that look like? Like how tell us how you help companies become military ready. Uh, well, so that's that's the cool thing about being a consultant is you're you're out there looking at problems. Mm-hmm. Companies say, hey, we've got a problem. We're trying to hire X number of people whatever yeah it's like okay well let's let's look at what you're what you're doing and how you're doing it when it comes to the the military friendly to military ready it's asking them you know why do you want to hire from the military and peeling back the layers of the onion on that to to really get to or depending on you know if you're shrek or not maybe it's parfait you'd be peeling back those layers sarah why do you want to hire? what's what's the big answer to your why yeah and then helping them define that and then looking at, all right, well, what are you doing right now? What does your military hiring program look like? Okay. Are you looking at specific, you know, veterans? Are you looking at, are you are you even looking at the military spouse community? Like because that's a huge aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Are you looking at members of the Guard and Reserve? How are you utilizing all of these different aspects? Or, you know, where, how are you targeting? And then once you do start targeting the, this talent stream of the, of the community, how are you onboarding? Mm. What are you using internally to help make your process smoother? Because especially if you're getting somebody that's just coming out of the military, whether they're you know a service member transitioning out or a military spouse that's that really hasn't done a whole lot in corporate America, and they're leaving this huge community behind. Right. What are you doing to help them make that transition a little bit smoother? Yeah. I'm not saying they have to be you know, bend over backwards to help them. But if they don't understand, you know, because I mean, most companies, they know, oh, we know what a general is. <laughs> well, you know the rank. Yeah. But you may not know the scope of responsibility. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, a lot of that aspect, how they're utilizing, you know, maybe people that have military affiliations or, you know, something within their company already to help with their hiring and onboarding to make sense of certain things and then streamline that process. Because when you leave the military community, you're so used to having, hey, I've got left and right limits. I know what I can work mm-hmm. with when I'm in within, within the military. And you leave that, you have no idea where that is. But if somebody's there to say, hey, I got you. I'm going to help you out with this. I'm going to explain where, who to talk to, where your scope and responsibilities are. Then it starts making sense. And how do you engage those employees on a regular basis so that they feel valued? Because it's a lot more than just saying, hey, thanks for your service. Thanks for your sacrifice. It's saying it and then saying, hey, we actually value the skills and experiences you're bringing to our organization. And we want to be able to put those to use in roles that make the most sense for you, for us as the company, and then have the potential for increasing responsibility. And we're going to provide you opportunities to continue to grow within our organization. So now you're really going beyond thanks for your service to yes, thank you (laughs) for your service to the country and to our organization. We're keeping you engaged. And the benefit is now you're retaining employees, which surprise, surprise, saves money. (laughs) And I don't know any company that doesn't want to do that. So it's, you know, that's really where it gets to that point. And they say, okay, yes, now we value these people. We know what they're bringing. We're really appreciative of what they've done and what they're going to continue to do for us. And now they're at that military ready state. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me about the two for one deal. 
that you like to talk to these companies about, like not just hiring the former military professional, but also the military spouse, which, you know, for me, this is the first time I'm hearing it. And I, I think it's very, very clever. And it does help, I'm sure, companies keeping them from having to constantly, you know, seek out potential employees. It's like, hey, you got, you know, you got the service member and you got the spouse. So tell us about that. Oh, yeah. This was, it, it was something that I, I heard last summer. And it was like, it just absolutely made sure. sense. And I don't know why more companies aren't doing it. It's for a company that has positions that are remote friendly or that can be done in the work from home status, maybe a hybrid status. If they can tap into the military spouse community and they hire these, these individuals and they really utilize them and appreciate them, then eventually that service member that they're married to is going to have to leave the military. Mm-hmm. As much as we love the military, most of us, we can't stay forever. Yeah. So we've got to go figure out what we're going to do next. And and I know if my wife had been working for a company that was super friendly to work from home and military spouses and everything, that'd be my first place to look. Mm-hmm. They've been treating my wife awesome. Why wouldn't I want to go work? Right. There? That's the aspect I talk to these companies about. I'm like, look, if you can tap into them and treat them well and you know move them along within your company or have the opportunities to do that, mm-hmm. who do you think they're going to be talking to about their great job that they've got? The person they're married to. Yeah. Where do you think that person's going to want to go when they leave the military? <laughs> to the company that appreciates their spouse. So it, yeah, it becomes that two for one deal. And I just, I don't know why more companies aren't doing it. Yeah. To me, it just makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I think that's what makes your company, you know, special is knowing that two for one deal. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, one thing that we talked about uh, before recording is about how, uh, and you mentioned this, it was like, there's over, and let me know if I got this number right. There's over uh, 45,000 nonprofits out there in the transition space. And you are different in a sense where you're a matchmaker for, you know, these organizations that are trying to, you know, train up these former military professionals and spouses, but, you know, trying to be that gap between them and, you know, let's say in corporate America. Uh, tell us about that and, you know, your role as, as a matchmaker between these organizations. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's part of where my self-proclaimed title of chief headache reducer comes from. Uh-huh. So yeah, there's 45,000 veteran service mm. organizations across the country. And, and so many of them are in that transition space. They're helping with resumes. How do you network? How yeah. do you, you know, operate social media and LinkedIn to, you know, try to find that next opportunity. And and that was one of the things I looked, I'm like, okay, I don't want to dive into that because then I'm just a drop in the bucket mm-hmm. and I don't want to write resumes. Mm-hmm. So that was the other key. I was like, if I can go that way, I have to write resumes. Nah, yeah. I have a hard enough time writing my own, you know, keeping up with that. Right. So, so I, I looked at it and said, okay, well, who's out here setting companies up for success? Mm-hmm. Who's out here helping them? And there's probably a handful across the country that are really in that area that are doing it. And a lot of them are, you know, no fault against them. They're doing a lot of staffing too. Mm. I'm like, that's, you're just giving them a fish. I want to go out there and to use the the old adage, I want to teach them how to fish. Um, And a lot, and that goes back to why I continuously call it a talent stream. Companies are like, oh, we've got a talent pool of whatever. Great. If I fish in your pool long enough, I'm going to fish everything out of it and there's nothing left. But if I take you to a stream and show you how to fish, teach you how to effectively fish, you're going to pull from there all the time. Yeah. So I want to teach these companies how to, so that they become more effective at it. They have a strategic plan. They, they look at how does this become our succession plan for our leadership? Because eventually 
we're all going to have to leave the company anyway. Yeah. But who's going to step in behind us? Um, and that's that's why I feel like I'm I'm in that niche where there's a, like I said, there's probably you know maybe a dozen or so companies that are doing what along the lines of what I'm doing, but there's not many that are really focused in the areas that I'm looking at with teaching these companies how to fish and be more strategic and intentional in what they're doing. Yeah. You know, speaking from the business owner standpoint, it's really great that you found a way to stand out from, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, the competition. Like you don't want to just be another drop in the bucket, as you said, with the, in the transition space. You wanted to stand out and, you know, long and behold, here's this, you know, you've been able to run this company for about two and a half years and helping companies and also nonprofits like set them up to, you know, pair up in a sense. And like you said, teaching companies how to how to fish. One thing that we also talked offline was how you first started in business. So we know a little bit about where you're at today and what you're doing and how you found a sense of, sense of purpose in it. But I know you didn't get off to the greatest start. So let's talk about even just starting, you know, just being an entrepreneur, what it was like for you to get, you know, suiting green consulting off the ground. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure you can, you can attest to this too, starting your own company. It's, there's no guidebook to say, hey, yeah. do this, 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 and this, and you're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. It's how do I figure out how to do this? Where do I go? Who do I ask? Mm-hmm. When I started, I had an idea. I was like, okay, I want to, initially it was, I want to show companies that they can hire somebody for a leadership role who doesn't have an MBA mm-hmm. or who maybe not, may not even have a bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. but can still do these things that they're asking. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know how to go further than that. And uh, I was fortunate that I had a, a mentor turn me on to an organization in Florida that kind of started me on the path to say, okay, hey, this is where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And that that moved me in the right direction. But I still, there was a lot of things, man, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know. They showed me some things. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then earlier this year, so I, I had a hiccup two years ago now mm-hmm. and uh, said, okay, well, I, I restarted everything essentially last year and I, I need to figure out how to do this and, and make this more effective. Mm-hmm. And as I was going through all this, then I, I, I got introduced and, and found out about the Rosie Network. I said, hey, let me check this out. If nothing else, I get some more information mm-hmm. and- I'll learn something from it because I, the way I look at it is I'm going to learn something from everybody, whether it's something to do or something not to do. Yeah. And, uh, and the Rosie Network took some of those things that I've learned previously and said, hey, this is what this actually is. This is how you can actually use this. Let's build a pitch deck that actually makes sense. And you look at, hey, who's your competition? Yeah. How are you going to separate yourself from them and really stand out from the crowd? And in that process, I was like, oh. Now it's making sense. Now I'm learning from this as opposed to here's just a bunch of stuff, figure it out, yeah. and you're done with this cohort. And, and no fault to that other organization. I love them. They're great. They've got super intentions, but it just did, I didn't feel like either I wasn't in the right headspace for it or it wasn't coming across effectively. Mm-hmm. So when I got connected with BEI or um, with Rosie Network, that's where I was like, oh, now it makes sense. I get this. I knew what this was but I didn't really know what to do. Yeah. I'd, I'd heard it. And so I worked with that and I, I had a great time with it. And I really, I feel like it helped move me forward beyond where I was at initially. So it wasn't so much just, let me let me throw this spaghetti against the wall, hope it sticks. Maybe I'll have dinner tonight. It was, <laughs> okay, yeah. Now I've thrown it against the wall and stuck. I know it's ready. I'm going to pour some sauce on it. Now I can start serving it up. So 
it made sense. I can't thank the Rosie Network enough for, yeah. for giving me the opportunity to be a part of that program, your service to CEO. It opened my eyes a lot mm-hmm. and really gave me a lot of tools that I feel I, I can I can make use of. Um, so between what I learned previously, what I learned from the Rosie Network, and then the stuff that I continue to learn on a daily basis by following other entrepreneurs and other, you know, veteranpreneurs, solopreneurs that that are out there, how are they doing things? And connecting with the right people to ask questions, hey, how are you how are you doing this? What have you learned that I can, you know, that could potentially help me go to that next stage? And so it's making those connections and, and learning from those people has been huge. Yeah. And I, I think it's a, a testament to you wanting to be a student of everyone. Like you were more than happy to, to learn from other people. And of course, the Rosie Network and we're, having worked with my husband for a number of years, it's been really interesting. I feel like, hey, if we made money, like if we happen to make a sale, then let's follow dollars. Like how did we how did we make that sale? <laughs> you know, like work backwards and, you know, kind of go from there. But honestly, the strategy changes every quarter every month every week you know it, it really is like trying to throw spaghetti on the wall and, and seeing what sticks but i think that's also the fun of it you know it, it keeps it keeps us engaged oh, yeah. and excited and you know we are hands-on with our life or hands-on with making money and uh, serving our community the way that we want to do it and so um, it's just great to hear that you had the rose network to really help you maybe fill in the gaps or remind you of things that you um, you know didn't put too much thought into to now, you know, here you are, you know, here you are and, and talking about your company and, and what you're doing. And um, I'm just really happy to hear that you were able to get that level of support. And I imagine that you're a continual student anyway, and I'm sure you're continuing to, to learn from someone. Yeah, I, I do. I, I, I've always looked at it that way. It's if I'm not learning something, then then I'm going to end up as, you know, Blockbuster, or Blackberry. And, yeah. and I don't want to do that. And I, I used to tell people that, that the biggest example of that was, I mean, I'll just see doing what I'm doing now, but even in the army, yeah. like, when I got tagged and they said, Hey, guess what? You're going to go be a drill sergeant. I, we know you've got 18 and a half years in the army, but you're going to go be a drill sergeant now. Really? Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to go do. You want me to go do this now? And I went through the school and I, I was the guy that was, Hey, who, who doesn't want to be here? <laughs> I don't want to be, here. <laughs> you know, through the entire 10 weeks. But every time I was there, they asked that and I told them, well, no, I don't want to be here. I, this was not where I thought my career was going to go, yeah. but I'm here. I'm learning from what you're teaching me because you have skills that I don't. <laughs> and I want to learn how to do that. And one way or another, it's going to make me a better individual. So, yeah. you know, I, I was a stubborn guy, but I, you know, I stuck it out and I did my time as a drill sergeant, retired and said, okay, fine. And, and I like to throw that out. Like, no, you were a drill sergeant. You're, you're not, you're too nice for that. <laughs> you worked at Disney World. <laughs> Makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, that's that's amazing, and you know, I I just want to you know say how amazing it is that you have been able to find a sense of purpose after the military, and you know, you continue to thrive and have fun and enjoy what you're doing, especially today. And so, I, I want to talk about like I want to talk next about you know what does sustaining your business look like moving forward? You know, like, like here you are two and a half years into it. And I imagine you want to keep going for another two and a half years. So what is, what is that? Uh, I guess, what is your sustainability plan, uh, if anything, um, to keep this going? Oh, I, you know, and I, I look at this and this is something that I think it's something I can do for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, there's just, there's so much potential to mm-hmm. it. And, you know, and, and it's not just 
looking at other companies, how can I help them and, and set them up for success and the people that they hire for success. But it's looking at different lines of business, work with a not working with a nonprofit, working with I did an interview about franchising mm-hmm. and you know, hey, how can franchise owners, how do, you know, how does this work for the military community? Mm-hmm. Is it a is it a good fit for them? Mm-hmm. And and I could say yes, because not only am I doing this, but I'm also getting ready to open a franchise gym. So it's like, okay. Yeah. You know, not that I don't have enough going on, <laughs> you know, in my life, but. <laughs> Be yourself busy. Why not? Yeah. And, and you, you know, know so, I, I wanted to make uh, a comment on the franchises. I did interview someone in the past who coached, you know, veterans or military professionals on owning a franchise. And part of the benefit is you're buying into a system. You know, you're not starting from scratch. And so it actually works really well for the military community to consider that. I mean, you know, granted, if you have like the savings and the funds and the resources to do it, but, you know, at least you're not starting from scratch. So that's, that's great to hear. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that was one of the things that I mentioned. <laughs> like, you know, hey, it is. You're stepping into, a, you know, an opportunity that has systems in place to help you be successful. <laughs> and that's, you know, for the military community, that's huge. Because yeah. we're, everybody's so used to, hey, if you do this, this, and this, things are going to work out. Mm-hmm. You may have a hiccup here and there, but for the most part, this is a standard operating procedure. If you follow it, you are going to be relatively successful. That's why it makes sense for, I think, a lot of franchise organizations to look at the military community yeah. as a, a really awesome talent stream to, to fish from. And, and even if it's not looking at them as franchisees, but, you know, hey, if I've got a franchise and I, I want to hire somebody, if I look at the military community, I know these are people that are going to be successful because they're coming into an organization that has systems in place to make them successful. And, you know, hey, if down the road they say, oh, well, this is great. I learned a lot being a manager here for this, you know, this franchise. I want to open my own. Cool. They know how to do that and they can be successful at it. So that was the biggest thing I, would, I, I mentioned during that. Yeah a great opportunity to tap into and if you're you know if you're a franchise or you know owner and you're not looking at it then you're missing out on a lot of talent and a lot of opportunities yeah absolutely well matt as we uh, come to a close here i just want to make sure i have asked everything you want to share on the show so before i get to my last question of main takeaways is there anything else that you'd like to mention about your journey or what you do at student green consulting or you know, just your journey as a former military professional. See, and you know, it's it's catchy. It starts getting in. I like it. Honestly, I like it. I, I mean, it's funny because in my notes, I have it in caps <laughs> to make sure I say nice. that around you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's so much fun <laughs> really being my own boss and being able to do this kind of stuff and having the opportunity, having the sense of purpose back. Yeah. It really, I love it. Love being able to give back to the community that gave me so much yeah. good and bad mm. for 21 years. But, you know, and that's part of why when I look at, hey, who do I want to be associated with? Who do I want to partner with? I look at organizations that have that tie mm. that are that are really good about doing that. And and they're the ones that I say, hey, yeah, if I'm going to work with, work with an organization, at least call them a partner, I want to know that they have some kind of commonality. You know, I, I don't care if they, they were space force or whatever or even you know affiliated with coast guard I, it doesn't matter <laughs> uh-huh. there's that similarity in, and, I, and i say this all the time because my, my wife served in the marine corps mm. i've got good friends that served in the marines you know and it's like I, you know i give them hard time all the time mm-hmm. but 
there's that commonality. And even if, you know, it's hard to find outside of the community, even, you know, if you talk to military spouses, it's the same way. There's, there's just that, that bond to be able to say, oh, we've shared some, some similar hardships. Yeah. We mm-hmm. had to move maybe every 18 months or something or, mm-hmm. or whatever, but you know, we've had that or, you know, every, every year and a half, it's like, okay, orders are coming. Where are we going next? Yeah. You know, and, and which is something that we, my wife and I went through. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> came down here. But, but no, it's, it's just, it's so much fun and there's so many opportunities out there. And if you're, if you're coming out of the military community, trying to figure out what, what you want to do next, don't worry about growing up. Mm. I'm I'm 48 years old. I have not grown up yet. <laughs> I'm still loving all the, the fun things yeah. and, and having all that stuff. But ask yourself one question. What problem do I want to solve? Mm. And and it can apply, it applies to anybody. I even ask my kids that. Mm. What problem do you want to solve? And it makes a world of difference. And then, you know, if you're making that transition out of the military community, ask yourself that question and ask yourself where you want to live. Because those are two big things and you have to have one to get the other and then figure out what jobs are going to help you solve those problems wherever you're going. And for companies, this talent stream, it's immense. Mm-hmm. You've got so many people coming out hungry, looking for that next opportunity. And if you're not looking at them intentionally and strategically, you're missing out on money. You're missing out on opportunities. And and companies like yours with US Vet Wealth, I mean, that's just... It's huge to be able to say, hey, we're here to support this or this this community that gave us something. We are giving back and it just makes a world of difference. So, Yeah. Well, Matt, I, I'm speechless. I don't really have anything else to say to wrap up this conversation. So I think that was just a great way to uh, close out your story. I want to thank you again for being on the show and talking about what you do. And, you know, my husband and I, we do work with military retirees quite often. And it just fills up my heart to know that you turned out okay. And you're, you're still a kid at heart <laughs> and oh, still yeah. living life. Not out of sight, and I'm not giving up my transformers. No way. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I, I love it. I love it. I love that youthful spirit. And yeah, I mean, just congratulations to you and, and all your success. And I wish you continued success with Suiting Green Consulting. Thanks, Jen. I, I, I appreciate it. It's an absolute honor to be here. Uh, I love it. it it's just fun. We get to do fun things yeah. all the time. And that's the cool part of being an entrepreneur. Yep. Amen to that. Awesome. Well, Matt, thanks again so much for joining us. And to our listeners, we hope you got a lot of value out of this. Check out the show notes to uh, learn how to get in touch with Matt. And with that said, we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Hey, this is your host, Jen Amos. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. Visit holdingdownthefortpodcast.com to access the full show notes of this episode, including resources mentioned and bonus content. Once again, that's holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. Lastly, stay after this outro music for something a little extra. Thanks again and chat soon. Bye for now.
All right, hey everyone, welcome to the post commentary of episode 167 with Mac. I want to thank you so much for making it this far. If you've really enjoyed my post commentary, if you've enjoyed being a part of the podcast portal, please let me know. I am very responsive in the podcast portal itself. So if you're trying to get a hold of me, go ahead and create a free account on holdingonthefortpodcast.com forward slash portal. And from there, not only will you get a lot of behind the scenes content, bonus content of the show. You will also get a mini course on how to start a podcast. And you'll also get free resources from our show sponsor, US Vet Wealth, which is all about providing financial education about alternative financial options in the private market so that you can make a confident and informed decision about your financial future. Wanted to make a comment. I think the only comment I'll say for now in the post commentary here is, you know, I'm actually really happy to have had this conversation with Matt because when we were done recording, when we we were still chatting, it was not recorded. Well, we found out that we both were at the Disney Institute's Veteran Institute Summit back in August, 2022. And because I believe he had worked for Disney at the time, if I got that correctly. And, you know, that was the first time the Disney Institute's Veterans Institute Summit was really the first time I was able to physically see the impact of this show. So yes, we get reviews. Yes, we get media features. Yes, we got we got an awards and award nominations and all the things. But to actually have gone to Disney World and go to the Disney Institute's Veterans Institute Summit and host their first ever military spouse employment panel. And they handpicked me because of my show. It really, really helped me see, like I said, the impact of the show and who can be listening to the show. So I am incredibly grateful for that experience. And funny enough, Matt happened to also be there. We just didn't run into each other. And he actually had, when we were talking on camera, after we were done recording, he pulled up the program from that event. And then he pulled up my bio and he's like, oh, there you are. And I was like, yeah, that's me. That's me. We could have totally have ran into each other. So small world. But then again, that's what we always say about the military community. And again, just want to thank you all. And this was just kind of a fun moment for me to reflect on, you know, going to Disney World over a year ago now uh, at the time of this recording. That was August 2022. So anyway, that's all I'll share for now. If you want to continue to hear bonus content and behind the scenes stuff and you want to engage with me directly, feel free to check out our free podcast portal, holdingdownthefortpodcast.com forward slash portal. And I'll see you there. Until then, I'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time.